Hi there, uh, Steve Kaufman here, um, uh, founder of Link, and uh, I have, of course, a blog on language learning called The Linguist on Language. And I want to respond to a post, a comment made by Jacob, I believe, who follows my blog. Let me see. Yes, it was Jacob. And he said, I am a teacher, and uh, while you, referring to me, you are critical of traditional language teaching, which is sometimes interpreted as being critical of all language teachers. Jacob said, I am in the system. I recognize the problems in the system. Uh, He says, I think sometimes the debate becomes too uh, argumentative with the criticisms flying back and forth, and it's not as constructive as it could be. Do you have some advice for teachers? So I'd like to talk here about what I would do if I were a language teacher. Now, first of all, bear in mind that I am not a language teacher and have never been a language teacher. I have been a language learner. I have sat in language class in school. I have spent eight months as a full-time learner of Mandarin Chinese in Hong Kong. And I have spoken to many people who have been language teachers. Uh, I should also say that some of the most enthusiastic members of LINK are teachers. Some of the most supportive people we have are themselves teachers. So I don't want my criticism of the traditional language teaching establishment to be considered a blanket condemnation of everyone who is in the field of language teaching. I should also point out that I have had a a lot of negative experience with uh, the sort of management level or more senior teachers who have been systematically uh, opposed to what we are doing at Link, unwilling to look at what we are doing, opposed in principle to e-learning to the extent that they felt it threatened their jobs. They would often uh, disguise this protectionism under the guise or uh, with the arguments that people can only learn in a classroom. Uh, I heard one teacher tell me that uh, if there's one thing you can't learn through e-learning, it's language. Um, I, there was a vote taken locally here by teachers to oppose e-learning. Uh, we've seen even in terms of the uh, uh, immigrant uh, ESL teaching that uh, people are only allowed to take advantage of e-learning if they can prove that they are unable to come to the classroom. Uh, I've seen the, and I have mentioned the uh, strange uh, one-size-fits-all approach to immigrant language learning taken in by the Canadian government and so forth. All this under the leadership of the established teaching is sort of institution. So I am opposed to those people. I think they do a lot of damage. However, I know personally that there are many motivated teachers who would like, genuinely would like to help their students learn. Many of these people are themselves language learners. All right. I am venturing into sort of uncharted waters as far as I'm concerned because I'm not a teacher. So much of what I say may be tremendously impractical, but Jacob asked me for my advice, so here it comes. Um, If I were a language teacher and I had a classroom of 10 or 20 language learners who were learning, say, English, I would say to them on the first day that my job is to make myself unnecessary. My job is to make them independent of me. In other words, not dependent on me so that they do not expect me to teach them the language. 
My job is to give them the kinds of habits and the kinds of attitude that are going to enable them to learn the language. Because I cannot teach it to them and they cannot learn it just in the classroom. I would refer to the three keys of language learning, which I mentioned in the previous podcast. I would point out to them the kind of attitude that they need to have, uh, uh, one of wanting to learn the language, believing that they can do it, projecting into another culture, uh, willing to accept that they can be very competent speakers of another language without being perfect in the language, these kinds of attitudinal things. I say, we're going to train and we're going to make sure that you get this kind of attitude. The second thing, of course, is time. And again, I'm going to help you create habits that make sure that you spend enough time with the language. Uh, Not just in the classroom and in fact, in particular, outside the classroom. We're going to find ways so that you find it enjoyable to engage with the language outside the classroom. Because if you don't do that, you won't achieve success. And the third thing is, I'm going to work with you to help you establish, again, habits that enable you to notice what is happening in the language. So that is going to be my major emphasis during this course. And I would structure the classes in the following way. I would want to make the classes as positive as possible. And I would want to make the classes, uh, I would want to build them around genuine communication as much as possible. So I would, and of course, it all depends on what the level of the students is. If these are absolute beginners, then I would have one approach. If these are people who have been trying to learn English, which is very often the case, and have not been as successful as they would like, then that's a different approach. But in principle, I would say to them, I want you to find a book, a story that you're going to read on your own. And if you have trouble finding such a book or a story, I will help you find one that is at your level and of interest. And I want you to be reading it on your own. When you come to class, you can talk about it. I will not question you on your comprehension. You can ask me questions. You can talk about it with other people in the classroom. I want it to be something that you enjoy doing. Similarly, other things in the language that you find enjoyable, please bring them to the classroom. Songs, TV programs, videos, it doesn't matter. I want you to engage with the language outside the classroom and bring your experience into the classroom to talk about uh, these with your classmates. Now, obviously, if these are beginning learners, then the most we can do is to go over these uh, uh, beginner texts with them. And probably with a beginner group, we may have to go over the same text. But as soon as possible, I would try to move to where they can choose from a list that I might direct them to, uh, things that are of interest to them, to read, to listen to, to watch, and so forth. Then I would say, the next thing is, you will come across words that you either have trouble using, or that you would like to use, or that you don't fully understand, I want you all to bring your words, and we will again call them your favorite words. Bring them to class, five, ten, it doesn't matter. And we're going to try to talk about them and how they are used in the classroom. And we want these to become your favorite words. We want to do the same, and incidentally, words, both in terms of meaning and in terms of how the words are pronounced. 
So you, the learner, are going to bring your favorite words to the classroom, and we're going to talk about them. And similarly with different grammar structures, uh, structures that you have trouble understanding, that you came across in your reading or your listening, uh, or that you would like to be able to use, bring them two or three each time, and we'll talk about them. And these will be, again, your favorite structures. So I would try to make everything as positive as possible in the classroom. Now, I may fall flat in my face. They say they may say we're not interested. Just teach me so that I can get my language requirement and leave me alone. I have other things to do on my own time. That's fine. But what I would attempt to do is what I just described. Um, I would try to develop, uh, you know, and again, I'm speaking here without any experience. Uh, they may totally reject this approach. I have no idea. Uh, I would like people to develop the ability to notice. I would like the students to develop the ability to notice what's happening in the class, class uh, in the language, uh, rather than relying on the teacher to teach them specific structures or points of grammar. Because there's no guarantee that the order in which I teach certain structures corresponds to what they are interested in or what they are now able to learn. Uh, I would work on different ways of improving their ability to notice. I mean, we all know that if, if we go, we need to cultivate the ability to notice. If I am looking for something and I walk into a room and I kind of half think that whatever I'm looking for is not there, I won't find it, even if it is there. I won't notice it. If I go there and I'm convinced that it's there, uh, I'll find it. Uh, and I know that uh, in my, uh, say, Russian studying, uh, if I, every so often I'll go back and kind of go over the declension tables or some rules and stuff, because I've said before, as I've said before, we do need occasionally to review these rules of grammar, not with the intention of learning them, but with the intention of increasing our ability to be attentive to at least some of them when we see them. And so I'll get keen on the date of case or something. So the fact that I'm keen on the date of case and I've tried to learn the date of case, then when I'm reading, I'm more attentive to the date of case. And I notice it more when I listen. And I notice it more when I read. And the mere fact of noticing it helps start to get the brain to pick up on it and eventually to be able to use it. Uh, it, it's one thing to understand the text that I'm reading without specifically noticing that this was the, the uh, you know, the date of case. Because I, I get it from the context. There's enough. I mean, the lang language is quite redundant, as we know. We can misspell words. We can miss words. And we still understand. There's lots of redundancy in language that still enables, enables us to understand. But sometimes we need to be specifically uh, trying to notice certain, certain things. And that's why... I would work on this idea of favorite words, favorite structures, uh, favorite aspects of grammar even if you want, so that we would then encourage people to start noticing these things in the reading and listening. So it would be a heavy emphasis on reading and listening or watching movies or listening, singing songs, whatever people like to do, uh, a lot of conversation in the classroom because we have to use the classroom time. Uh, but trying to bring into this learning process the ability for people to focus uh, and, and be attentive to specific aspects of the language, all the while explaining to them that they are not necessarily going to get it right. 
and that I would not test them. This is another thing. I would not test them on their learning. I would say I'm only interested in making sure that you engage with the language. In other words, if we can get you to have a positive attitude about the language and about your own abilities, if we can get you to spend the time, if you, if I might want to measure their activity level as we do at Link, and if we can train in you the ability to notice what's happening in the language, the rest will take care of itself. I don't need to test you. Some people will pronounce better. Some people will learn certain structures sooner. Some people will start speaking sooner. Some people will write better sooner. But we will all achieve our goals if we remain focused on those three keys, having the right attitude, spending the time, and developing the ability to notice. So that's what I would do in a classroom. Now, having never been in a classroom as a teacher, and never having never encountered that situation in the public school system where 70% or 90% of the students are totally uninterested in the subject, uh, I may be quite unsuccessful with this approach. But there you have it, and I'd be interested in hearing feedback. Thank you.